Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So, as you know, and we've talked about before, through the course of the pandemic, out of necessity, a lot of Canadians, and you probably know some, started working from home, right? Um, if, if that was something they could do with their job, that's what they did. And they were advised to, right? Work from home, work from home, work from home. A lot of people did it for a long time. And you know what? It worked out in a lot of ways for some of them. And a lot of people really, really liked it. Clearly, a lot of members of the um, Public Service Alliance of Canada really, really liked it. Because the ability to work from home is one of the key sticking points in negotiations with the federal government that has them out on strike right now. Like I said, I think wages are obviously the top issue always. But a close second um, is this work from home arrangement. The federal government says we need you back in the office two to three days a week. And um, the union says, no, we don't want that. Not, not, not all of them. Of course, it's, a, it's not a blanket thing because some have to be there, but some don't. So... How do we tackle this issue? How do we deal with this? Alexandra Samuel is an expert on remote work in the digital workplace. She's a speaker and a data journalist and author. Uh, remote Inc., How to Thrive at Work Wherever You Are. Work Smarter with Social Media, a guide to managing Evernote. Um, she lives in this world. So let's get her insight and her expertise on this. Alexandra, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, when we take a look at this, um, obviously, this is really, really important to some people. We've got people out on the picket line. And like I say, uh, you know, wages are always the biggest issue. But this is often mentioned as the big deal. So it's important to these workers. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's important to a lot of folks who have shifted to working uh, remote or hybrid over the course of, of COVID. I mean, it's important for us to remember that, you know, a huge proportion of the Canadian workforce is not able to work remotely at all, something right. like 60% of Canadians, because, you know, you can't chop down a tree over Zoom, and we have a very heavily resource-extractive, you know, service-oriented economy. But for the 40% of Canadians who did shift to working remotely during the pandemic, the benefits of remote work have become hugely apparent in terms of productivity, in terms of work-life balance, in terms of the kinds of work opportunities they have. You know, I, I hear in organizations all the time, boy, now that we're not working just with the people in our local office, I can work with the best people in my organization for any project. And of course, that's what we want in the federal government. We want the right people on each project, whether they're in Ottawa or Halifax or Kamloops. What about the fact that they're shooting for a hybrid model is what we understand. That's what's on the table from the other side of this negotiation, because it's not saying we need you back in the office full time. We're saying two or three days a week. Um, is that fair? Does that change the conversation at all? Well, you know, the two or three day a week version of hybrid is really becoming the norm, you know, across all sectors. But, you know, the difference, honestly, is partly two versus three days a week. We see consistently in survey after survey, most employees would like to come in two days a week. Most managers would like people to come in three days a week. Um, but I think the sticking point in this situation, you know, is, is a mistake I'm, I'm afraid I've seen a lot of organizations make here and abroad and in the private sector as well, which is 
um, trying to make one policy for an entire organization. And in this case, it's almost more than one organization because you really have to look at each department and even each regional department as its own organization. And the reality is, you know, federal government employees span many, many different roles and teams. And to issue an edict that says, you know, two days a week even is the right minimum for everybody just doesn't recognize the variation in work and it doesn't put the decision at the right level or in the right form to ensure a fair and consistent outcome. How do you do that though, Alexandra? We're talking about 155,000 employees and like you say, over all kinds of different disciplines and offices and departments Mm -hmm. and all the rest of it. So when you're negotiating with this union on behalf of all of those people, how how do you come up with some sort of an agreement that recognizes (laughs) all the nuance you're talking about? Well, I definitely don't want each and every public servant's uh, schedule to be determined at the bargaining table. Right. That doesn't seem realistic. Um, but I, I think the feds did jump a gun a little and move too quickly here because um, what we need is a framework, a framework for making decisions at a departmental level, at a team level, and in some cases at an individual level based on the job to be done. And, you know, if there's one thing unions are good at, it's arguing about job classifications, right? And that is essentially what we're talking about is let's add another dimension to job classifications where we recognize how much of a job needs to be done on site? How much of a job is collaborative? And if it's collaborative, is it going to be collaborating with people who are even in the same location? Because if not, why haul someone into the office just to spend their day on Zoom? And I think that, you know, by... Issuing a policy that that is so broad and and sets such a hard floor, the feds really limited the ability of individual departments to figure out what makes sense for specific roles and teams. And that's what should be at the bargaining table. It's not each and every individual job. It's how are we going to determine in a fair and consistent way and in a way that recognizes the very serious equity stakes in how these decisions are made so that people have some predictable idea of what their um, remote schedules might look like, and so that we can actually, each of us, do some career planning and life planning because we know which kind of roles are going to be compatible with more flexibility and which kinds of roles are going to require more time on site. And that makes such good sense. Let's just focus on the job at hand. What That's what we need. We need this job done, not how many hours you're yeah. here or how many hours you're there. This is the job we need done, and that should be the focus, not where you do it. A hundred percent. And, you know, one of, one of the things I felt disappointed in is one of the comments that um, Mona Fortier made on behalf of the Treasury Board was this idea that, like, we need people on site because that's what is key to building collaboration and culture and a sense of belonging. Well, you know, that's true for some people. And frankly, it's true for the kinds of people who go into politics or rise to, to high levels in the civil service. People who are great at in-person interaction do thrive when they spend time in person. But one of the things that we've learned over the past few years is that there are many people who actually have more to give when they spend more time on their own, when they're interacting online, when they have time to think about what they're saying before they share it. And so to assume that everybody is going to do their best and every organization is going to do their best by spending time in person really denies the variety um, and the breadth and the talents of our public sector workforce and the reality of what we've already learned in the past three years. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Is it fair, though? Is it fair if if the union is saying, listen, we want concessions on this work from home hybrid model? We think that that's something that's really important to us. Is it fair for the other side to come back and say, OK, listen, that's going to change um, your entire 
life. That's going to change your work-life balance. That's going to change the mm-hmm. cost of living for you. You don't have transportation costs anymore, maybe wardrobe, all the rest of that stuff. It's probably yeah. going to save you money. So we want yeah. you to lower the wage demand. I mean, can those two work together? If you're going to, if you're going to ask for something on that side, give something on the other side. Well, you know, it's funny. I found myself wondering. I, I would love to believe that the feds were playing a long game here with the hybrid policy because I, I was very, it felt like it came out very suddenly because so many departments were really deeply thinking about how to yeah. move forward in an effective way. And then suddenly we have this, this edict. And boy, I would love to think that that was a strategic move so that they could offer workplace flexibility in return for some concessions at the bargaining table uh, on wages because we know actually in survey after survey, people say, I'm actually very happy to take a little bit less pay in return for a little more flexibility. And there are hard costs to, I mean, believe me, I have saved a fortune on shoes the past three years, right? right? Um, there are real savings to working from home. There are also real costs to working from home that employers need to think about, things like connectivity, a good desk chair, and so on. Um, but those are those are things we can sort out at the bargaining table, and I don't think it's unreasonable um, to ask, you know, union members what what's more important to you? And the difficulty, of course, is if on-site workers who are who are typically going to be in lower-paying roles, frontline workers, you know, typically are um, somewhat less well-paid than than the folks who enjoy more remote flexibility. You know, what I would hate to see is lower-paid um, public sector employees losing out on. Uh, the opportunity to have their wages keep place with inflation so that the higher paid federal employees get to spend more time working from home. That doesn't seem fair either. No, you're right. There's a lot of nuance in here, and and you're absolutely right when we talk about this blanket policy and and sometimes rush policy. We we lose a lot of that, and it leads perhaps to where we are right now. But uh, I appreciate your time and uh, walking us through this, Alexandra. We'll do this again soon. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. You bet.